So this is a Zen Buddhist monastery. And we're in the middle of this retreat, the practice, the experience of sound. So today, let's cover all of the essential themes of Zen, Dzogchen, Avita, and the non-dual teachings. We're going to talk about emptiness, aimlessness, non-craving, signlessness, impermanence, and letting go. We've all heard rain. So close your eyes and hear the sound of the rain. And in your mind, is it soft or loud? Is it intermittent or steady? Heavy rain, light rain? What time of day is it? Is it warm or cool? And how do you feel in your body being as you recall, imagine, rain? And now we open our eyes, look in this room, And we ask, did I hear rain? Did I hear rain? And you get whatever answer you get. But the question for investigation, is how does memory differ from imagination? Are you remembering hearing rain, or are you imagining hearing rain? And is there a difference? Imagine you were sitting right now in the cafeteria. And remember when you were last doing that. There's imagination and memory. How do they intersect? overlap, or are they the same thing? And try the same investigation with an interaction with one of your parents. And see what you're doing there. What's the look on their face, how people are dressed, sitting, standing close, far, smell, flavor, the emotional feeling, 
an experience with your with a parent. And back to the room. How does memory and imagination, did you remember a time? I doubt that you imagined something that is never experienced before. Or did you imagine it? And of course, we know that memory is a creative activity. Now, we've just had that short investigation. So now you ask and you look, where is that memory imagination located? I unequivocally had some experience, but with what? One of the five aggregates is the ability to have, or is having a body and having a mind and having choice, volition, and consciousness, feelings. So in this, these experiments, remembering an interaction with a parent, real experience of memory or imagination. But where, where is this interaction found? To try to find a location of a memory, to try to find the location of a thought, to try to pin something down and say, oh, there it is, and have it stay there, does not work. We know, we're certain that we are able to think. We are certain that we have memory. We are certain we have those experiences. But we can't find them. So we call that emptiness. Emptiness is not something that doesn't exist, but it exists. We can experience it, but we can't find it. It's unpin-downable. And we can only even define it by stepping outside and looking back at a memory. Now this session is about sound, and I have the perhaps mistaken presumption that everybody is hearing the sound of my voice right now speaking. But when that experience ends, 
Where does the sound go? Even reflecting on a previous sentence, we have to use memory and imagination to bring it to mind. And each time we do, it's subtly different, of course. And even a simple thing, like this sentence that I'm saying right now, if in 10 minutes we ask everybody in the room what was said, we get 30 different responses. So remember the music last night. Everyone would describe it uniquely. Think of situations in your family with your siblings or a parent. And in order to do that, it requires memory and imagination. Because that's not the vivid experience right now. And even if it was the vivid experience right now, the interpretation of that experience requires memory and imagination. One of the things we're doing with sound sashin is by using sound and watching the nature of sound and watching the nature of listening and listening to the nature of listening, we can discover something essential and meaningful about our life. And one thing that is obvious, I think, to everyone is our projection of what is going to happen and our experience of what is happening. There is often a dis, dis, a dis. <laughs> They're not in harmony. Disconjugation, maybe. Experience is dynamic and alive. So when we're toning, it is dynamic. Each quiver of the vocal cord is dynamic, is alive, is moving. And memory, imagination, is much more stagnant. much more a story about something rather than the real thing. Another example is before Sushin, people may have imagined what it would be like to sit enveloped by the dark, sit enclosed in the dark, and then have beautiful music or interesting sounds come, come out of the dark and reveal themselves. And when we actually get to that experience, maybe it's tedious. Maybe it's boring. Our expectation, our fantasy, our memory and reality are different.
So let's tone. If we're watching carefully, each time we do that toning, even though we may be toning the exact same syllable, it has a different flavor to it, different strength, a different power, a different part of the body, different intensity, different awareness. And sometimes it's subtle, and sometimes it's quite gross, in the, in the sense of large. The Direct experience of sound is vital and alive and moving. The memory is not. It's not a matter of good or bad. It's just being able to tell the difference. Now, of course, even with the tone sitting in the same room, we all hear it differently. Old people hear it differently than young people. People who've got trained ears hear it differently than, you know, people who are uh, musically inept. Nonetheless, it is still fresh. So to listen to sounds, to do this toning, over and over, to do the toning without adding interpretation to it, without adding, oh, this means, oh, oh, I feel that, that means, that means. To, to not add interpretation to our direct experience is to be able to appreciate, to savor, to, to really feel that experience. To experience what is present instead of trying to feel our way into it through the covering, through the cocoon, through the shell of all of our extra reactivity that is based on memory and imagination. We're toning and watching, listening to, attending to the tone to begin to recognize when it is fresh and genuine and wholehearted and present and alive, and to recognize when it is smothered by likes and dislikes, 
I'm too tired, I don't want to do this. Not good, not bad. It's just to be able to recognize what's alive and free and what's not. And as we begin doing that, as we are attending to these tones, we can begin to recognize that there is a continuous awareness that happens. That in a way, what's changing is there's a steady flow of awareness, the field of awareness. And experience passes through that awareness. So we're aware of something moving, like we're standing by the side of a river and watching the river or the creek or the stream flow through. Well, the one who is watching is standing, is still watching the movement happen. When we are attending to sound and watching the vibration, the energy, the noise, the kind of emotional feeling of it, as we're watching that quiver and change in its own aliveness, it's against the background of awareness. When the sound stops, nothing happens to awareness. Awareness is still awareness. And every experience we have is passing through a field of awareness, as though it were a thing, which is not. And each thing, each sound, each experience, each sight, each smell, each taste, each sensual sense, each one of the senses, each experience of the senses, leaves no trace. The only trace is that of awareness. It's gone. Blip. It's gone. But awareness hasn't changed. So as we are toning, and as we are aware of the toning, not only are we anchoring ourselves in the experience, in the, the moment, in the, the flavor, essence, sound, of the tone, but we also simultaneously are holding that in awareness. Awareness, one sense we could say always present, but everything flows through, leaving no trace, leaving the field wide open for the next experience. So we're, we're toning ah, and we stop, and we tone om, and we stop, and we tone zi, and we stop, and we... And each time something disappears, it leaves an open field, an open place for the next thing to come. Each word that disappears in a sentence leaves space for the subsequent word. Each visual 
flash as we're driving, as we're riding in a car that passes by, leaves space for the next visual flash continuously. And they leave no trace, except maybe memory, imperfect. Make it up. leaving no trace. No trace remains. And yet, you can't say it didn't exist. So we look at the sky, and we see clouds, like we've had these cloudy days, and the clouds will all disappear, and there'll be nothing left of the clouds. They'll all have vanished, and there'll be still the sky will be there, unchanged day and night, maybe. And all that's left of the clouds is a thought, a memory. No trace remains, and this traceless enlightenment continues forever. We call this observation, this recognition, signlessness. Things leave no sign, no indication of their passing, except a trace of our memory. There's nothing left from breakfast this morning or lunch this afternoon, except a trace of the memory. And of course, that memory, the further we get away from it, it becomes more and more unreliable. This is true for our lives. People pass through, places pass through, things pass through, thoughts pass through, bodies pass through. There's nothing left of our 20-year-old body. At least the experience of a 20-year-old body. You could argue about calcium and things like that, maybe but the experience of who we were, gone completely. All that's left is memory. And if we feel that there is some direct experience left, then all that's left is the interpretation of that experience. You know, people could have quivering anxiety that's really just excitement disguised, misinterpreted. So as we are doing toning, and as we are watching, everything flows through, everything flows through, every problem flows through, every good thing flows through, every obstacle flows through, just like sound, leaving no trace. And yet it changes us. And yet we're different from the experience but we can't put our finger on it. So when we talk about emptiness and soundlessness in this tradition, that's what we're talking about, something very practical, something directly observable. Now, 
go back to ah, and watch, listen, attend, experience, be aware of ah. last year's bills. Now, when we are doing that, we just did it perfectly. 100% perfectly. Often we go into a situation, we imagine what's going to happen, we imagine Something is going to be more pleasing or more interesting or something more satisfying. You know, people are always moving to or from Hawaii or New York or San Francisco. You, know, you get there and you find out, oh yeah, same old, same old. And they say, well, someplace else is better. And they come back. They go and they come back and they go and they come back. Or they go sequential places. We always, the, the unobserved mind the unaware mind has this feeling of, this isn't quite right, there's something better out there. And guess what? The music industry makes profit off that. You You listen to something, you buy it, they make you feel like it's old very quickly, so you have to buy something new. You listen, you buy, old, new. Buy, 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 buy. You end up with this big collection of music. Three quarters of it probably never even listened to. Same thing happens, of course, with all of marketing, I think. Clothing, fashions, cars, computers. Knowing that we have this penchant for imagining something is better. Knowing that we have this hope that something is better. People hook us with that. Nice car, but there's a better one. Nice computer, but... It's already out of date. It's already old. There's a better one. This state of mind, this mind of there's got to be something better somewhere, is the antithesis of practice. We used to have a person here who was always searching for the other monastery, the one where they did everything right. The other place, 
the other city where everybody is not greed, greedy, angry, ignorant. The other city where everything is harmony and everything is bright and interesting and creative and everybody gets along. And we find a Shangri-La somewhere and we move there and we discover it's not a utopia. That it's just like every place else. It's own flavor. This more, 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 other, 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 is the antithesis of practice. By staying, by investigating, by staying with what is, then we learn about the richness and the depth by being present. So in these few days, we've been toning the same one or two syllables. How boring can that be? And yet, as we tone, as we become more intimate with it, as it becomes more familiar to us, it reveals something else. There's a richness. I think people are the same way, that we can meet someone and have a flashy interaction with them, one one sort or another, but to actually know someone takes years. To actually get the flavor takes being present. And of course, that's true for ourselves. So this quality of being willing to sustain attention, being willing to sustain our awareness, being willing to savor what is, opens up the world in a different way than better, 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 better. It's like savoring a pair of comfortable shoes versus getting new shoes that have to be broken in all the time. So savoring this appreciation This really getting to know is what in Dharma we call non-craving. The antithesis of craving for something else, something else, something else. But instead, even though it's impermanent, even though it's flowing through, to rest there and to know it is the antithesis of craving. Clinging Craving, attachment, the, that they're always talking about in Buddhist circles, is about trying to hold on to some frozen idea of things. Frozen idea that when I, when I got my new tuba, I felt magnificent, and I want to hold on to that you know, tuba and that magnificent feeling. That's clinging. And that's crazy. But we do it all the time. So, savoring the depths 
savoring the depths of someone, something, some experience, constantly evolving. Antithesis of of craving, clinging. Another way you might look at that is, if you're an entertainer, to just do one piece one time, well, you did it. But to actually have to do something over and over again, a number of times, each time you learn more, you become a little richer. My experience with talks is the same way, you know. One talk, very much like another talk. But as the the person who has to try to make them alive over and over again, try to, to, to find something alive here, to, to learn that process, to savor that process, to appreciate that constant enriching of this moment. Om. kind of nice. It makes you feel like the audience is alive. During session, sometimes it's hard to tell. <laughs> that om, as we were doing it, was the most perfect, the best. It's no longer. It's gone. But if we were to do it again, every single vibration would be the best, the perfect one, the only one we could do at that moment. One of the signs, I think, of practice is that people have more and more integrity, wholeness. So instead of chanting and imagine there's a better chant, instead of of toning and imagine there's a better tone, instead of Toning, imagining there's, there's a, a better me who can do the toning better, who will... Blah, blah, blah. Instead of having that constant split, as we tone, and as we align ourselves, and as we become one with each thing, couldn't be different. It couldn't be better. In retrospect, yeah, you can make all sorts of judgments. In the future, you can make all sorts of judgments. But in the moment, in the moment, we are always doing the best we can do. 
in the moment, and it's gone. In the moment, and it's gone. In the moment, and it's gone. And if we're thinking about what's gone, it's never adequate. But if we're in the moment, if we're toning in the moment, if we're giving our whole self to the sound in the moment, that's perfect. The best there is. Life is like that too. Right now is the best life there is. It's gone. Right now is the best breath that you can take. It's gone. Right now, the heart is pumping perfectly, and it's gone. Right now is always perfect, is always okay, and it's gone. Right now is not static, it's not a thing, because it is this moment we never, well, we'll talk about unfindability in just a moment, but in this moment, It's never static. It's alive, dynamic. So, of course, this moment is always evolving, always fresh. When we're able to accept and be with that moment without all of the projections and all of the worries, what will they think of me and... You know, well, I say, how do I sound? And, you know, is this a perfect pitch? And, you know, all that stuff. It's just friction. That's just suffering. So part of practice and part of this toning is to rest in the direct experience of the perfect, perfect tone. It could not be otherwise. And it's gone. a difference it makes in how we relate to our lives. When we're relating in the the way we've been trained by consumerism, we're relating to the future life. I'll be better, I'll have fewer problems, there'll be less conflict, it'll be more satisfying, I'll be more genuine, it'll be more real. And we have this fantasy of somebody else who's not us. It's hard. And if we have a fantasy that, oh yeah, if that hadn't happened to me 25 years ago, I would be a different person today. And we haven't have a fantasy that there's a different us out there. So all these good and bad things have happened throughout our whole life. And our imagination, we think, oh, if they didn't happen, then there'd be another me somewhere else. A better me, a a clearer, faster, stronger, wiser, wholer. There is no other you. Doesn't exist. Every single thing that's happened, every single good, bad, terrible, wonderful thing that's happened, everything that's been taken away from us, everything that we've gotten as a gift, every single thing has arrived right here. 
And no matter how our fantasy of the future, we said before, our expectations rarely come true. So if the future, all of our fantasies of I will be different and I will be happier and I will have fewer problems and I will be glorified and I will be richer and I will be whatever it is, whatever our fantasy happens to be, you can pick your own, we all do. If that isn't where we find satisfaction and trying to keep changing the past, which can't be changed, hoping that there's another us, if that isn't very satisfying, the only place to find satisfaction is now. The only place to find peace is now, in this moment. In this moment, unencumbered by what might be. One of the 19th century authors, authors used to say, there is no problem with the real American. It's just the ideal American that drives everybody crazy. It's true for us. You know, we are just who we are. Our particular, you know, blobbish, you know, flavor. But the ideal us, that other one, that we should be living their life, that other one, if I just hadn't made all those terrible mistakes, that other one that should be out there, should be sitting in my place right here, someone who is, you know, more whatever. As we practice, we begin letting go. And we find satisfaction in the one place that satisfaction can be touched. This sound, this flowing moment. Can't be better. And so this flowing moment with richness, with interest, watching it evolve, watching it be unfindable, watching it be ungraspable, un, uh, is what we call freedom, awakening, liberation. Because it's the only life there is. So you may as well acknowledge that that's what you're living. You can't live some other life. You can only live this life. And even the imagination of another life is just imagination because you can only live this particular life. Ephemeral, changing, rich, interesting, connected. So, one very concrete, one very real truth is everything's okay. It's gone. Everything's just fine. Gone. Everything is still just fine. Gone. Everything is still okay. Gone, 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 gone. And it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's okay. It's okay. In the one time there can be. In our fantasy, it's never okay. In our worries, it's never okay. In our defective memory of all the things that went wrong, it's never okay. In the past and future, it's never okay. Except maybe there's some utopian 
dream somewhere, which we imagine will be okay, but won't. The only place to truly find satisfaction is the only place to truly be alive. And guess what? In this moment, we can't help it. That is our, our inheritance, so to speak. The perfection, the wholeness, the completeness, the unbrokenness of this moment. And of course, it has to be recognized And so when we're atoning, we're just recognizing, we're recognizing the dynamic, live isness The real tone is just the way it is. The imagined tone, you know, can be a disaster. The real life our real life, filled with all the things that real lives have, it's just fine. But the imagined real life, someone says, just sucks. The imagined real life is full of unhappiness. Or even if we imagine some happy life up there, then it makes this life seem unhappy. So our, one of the aspirations, that's not the right word, one of the recognitions, what we call aimlessness, is we don't live somewhere else. We're not aiming to move to Florida and have a a wonderful life in Florida. We're aiming to want what we want, to want what we have. And when we want what we have, when we're alive right now, when we have integrity, when there's wholeness there, when we are in touch with the ever-flowing truth of this moment, we have more confidence perhaps even great confidence. We may be much more effective because we're actually dealing with the issues right in front of us instead of the issues that we think we might be. So we're more effective. I'm always always in awe of somebody like Thich Nhat Hanh who wrote a hundred books, traveled all over the world, met with all kinds of world leaders, founded several monasteries and had city groups all over the place. He was enormously effective. And as we keep practicing and we begin aligning ourselves with ourselves, accepting this is the life that I get to lead, this particular deck of cards I get to play the hand with, 
we have more integrity. Instead of trying to put on some front that we think other people will like better, or put on some front that we think we'll like better, we begin to have more integrity in the inside and outside match. If there is an inside and outside. So as we practice integrity, satisfaction, confidence, and creativity. When we're not lost in the traps of like and dislike, we're not lost in the traps of it should be this way, it should be that way, we're not lost in the the traps of of, uh, kind of mindless convention, then we have the creativity, we have the, the space to be creative in the particular way our life is creative, which may change. So, you know, the whole monastery is a, a creative endeavor. It's not a painting. It's a visceral, three-dimensional objet d'art. And as we practice, and as we begin to align ourselves in this way, and as we have more satisfaction, I think our relationship's better. better. We can... Love the one we're with in the appropriate way. So, even this practice of toning, and this practice of Sushin, and this ongoing daily practice, has many ramifications of liberation, of freedom. Looked at it from another way, another side, what we're doing here is we're letting go of the detritus. We're letting go of all the, the, the scales. We're letting go of the, the, the coverings that we have added on with our clinging to our memory and our thoughts and our interpretation. And we're cleaning that up by letting it go and being present with what is. Oh, another iteration of this. So let's suppose you buy that whole thing, you know. Um, But where is thought found? Where do these memories exist? Where do these words come from? If I look inside and try to find, you know, the one, it's a terrible quote, it's a terrible way of phrasing that question, who are you, but the, the what are you, try to turn and see what this name refers to, and we can't find anybody in there, we can't find any lump in there, and we can't find a source for words, we can't find a source for the things that appear, And yet, here we are, you know, talking our heads off. But we call that unfindability emptiness.
all it is, just unfindable. And as we realize, oh, it's unfindable, I'm not quite sure what I'm going to think next. I'm not quite sure what's going to come into my mind. And we have living a life of integrity with loving-kindness. Then we trust. We trust in the isness that comes forward. We trust in a way our own integrity and the intention of kindness or love or whatever in our life. And we trust that whatever will appear can be looked at with wisdom. Whatever appears, whatever bursts forth, whatever burgeons forth from the unknown, from the mystery, can become an expression of loving-kindness. And so there's a trust. A trust in the isness of our being, not in our personality. Personalities are fraught with, with difficulties and you know, warts and everything else. But with the essence of our being. And as we begin to trust the essence of our being, our foundation, then the old blockages and the old resentments and the old hang-ups and small views and stories just become less and less relevant. So this practice of toning, as we attend to it with our intelligence, as we attend to it with our whole body, as we attend to it and as we, not just toning, but listening, as we attend, we listen to listening, it is, can be transformative. It is transformative. It is transformative. And we can summarize this, all this basket of, of concepts into one essential principle. To live a wholehearted life one moment at a time. To listen to the sound that is present instead of the sound that's not present. And we are listening to our, whatever our, we are, we are resonating in a wholehearted life with our particular karmic bundle, everybody else is doing the same, and that makes a, a whole orchestra. Symphony. Cosmic symphony. Each person playing their note. So have confidence. Have confidence. You don't even need faith. Just have confidence in the one place you can you can't say taste, you can't say touch, you can't say be, you can't say in the one place, you can't say is, you can't say is not, 
So maybe just have confidence and just have faith without an object, without a subject. Have confidence, have faith, and keep listening.